0: Hello everyone and welcome. This is episode number six of The Right Take. I'm Eric Lendrum. I'm Jacob Grandstaff. And this is promising to be a doozy of an episode to say the least. Tonight, oh boy, we're going to be talking so many things. We're going to be utterly demolishing Governor Andrew Cuomo over his press conference where he basically tried to shift blame on old people dying on his watch. We're going to be talking about Biden administration officials claiming that cops are the biggest national security threat to the United States. We're going to be talking about, of course, GameStop. You all have heard about GameStop over the past uh, couple of weeks or so. So we will be talking about that. So, Jacob, why don't you get us started? What's first on the very, very delicious menu for today?
1: So a lot of Republicans falsely thought that Joe Biden would govern as a moderate because in the Senate, and this is something that Rush Limbaugh actually pointed out when he noticed that Donald Trump was going after Biden for being a radical or the fact that he would enable radicals. And he was pointing out, I don't really know if this is the correct way to look at it. Because when you when people think of Joe Biden, they don't think of a left-wing radical. Now, while that's true from the PR standpoint, the moves that he's making are going to satisfy his base and the people who got him elected. And one of these people is now at the State Department. We've got Jelena Porter. She is now the State Department's deputy spokesperson. In a 2016 Facebook post, she posted the largest threat to U.S. national security are U.S. cops, not ISIS, not Russian hackers, not anyone or anything else. And this is the and she goes on. If y'all don't wake up and rise up to this truth, the genocide against blacks in America will continue until we are near extinct. So you've got people. This is this isn't that longer. This is September twentieth, twenty sixteen. The Washington Free Beacon uncovered this, and she's now the State Department's deputy spokesperson. So you know it's kind of hard to a claim that Joe Biden and his administration are going to be in any way moderate when they're hiring people like this this is stuff that you would hear out of 1960s radicals the people that the government put in prison not the people the government hired so you you've got essentially 1960s radicals who are now in the halls of power in the halls of congress now working for the, uh, directly for the government and this is just you know you got one police officer who kills one unarmed black man and this is supposedly a continuation of genocide against black Americans. You know, if she takes that view of the United States, how does she view the majority of Americans? You know, that, that's the question we got to ask about the people that the Biden administration is hiring. You're expecting this government to represent all Americans. And this is something that Biden has repeated over and over again. I will be a president for all Americans. That's kind of hard to believe whenever his State Department is hiring people like this.
0: Yeah, and it needs to be said. I know this may sound kind of like a cop out, like kind of just a very uh, something that's been said multiple multiple times, but it needs to be said again. Imagine if the roles were reversed politically. Imagine if someone who was hired as a spokesperson for Trump's State Department a couple of years prior on Facebook had posted, "Oh, you know that the biggest national security threat to the United States is black people," right? And then they got a position in Trump's government. You know what would happen to that person? They would rightfully be Absolutely torched and excommunicated for saying something like that.
1: And they would be excommunicated by
0: Republicans. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Absolutely, yeah. The Republicans never hesitate to patrol their own side, of to patrol their own ranks. You see it with Congressman Steve King. But Democrats, they let, they let their radicals run wild because, oh, it's – they – I guess it must, be, it must be so nice to have a media that covers for you, a media that is not going to cover this because this came from – this story was reported by uh, the National Pulse, which is Raheem Kassam's website. You're not going to see that on CNN or NBC or even Fox News for that matter.
1: Well, it's kind of hard. Even if they did cover it on CNN, most of their viewers would be like, yeah, that's – that's she's right. You know, they've become so radicalized. Most of CNN's viewers have become so um, immune to this kind of radicalism that they would look at it and go, yeah, the United States is – uh, a genocidal nation, and they, you know, wouldn't think twice about it.
0: Well, I guess that means we should only enjoy it all the more when there are rare moments when the media actually does do some real journalism for once. So you remember how last year, the, the media prior to the election, the media was really propping up Andrew Cuomo, right? They were they were making this guy, this guy, governor of New York, is the face of the Democrat resistance among at the gubernatorial level to trump's policies on the coronavirus when it comes to the governor's responses you know him governor whitmer uh newsom in california and a few others oh how the tables have turned so in case you guys didn't hear about this a report was issued by the new york attorney general letitia james who is a democrat a very radical democrat who is in her spare time going after trump over everything from you know he didn't tie his shoes properly she issued a report her office issued a report Showing that the Cuomo administration in New York downplayed the number of coronavirus-related deaths in nursing homes in the state by as much as 50%. So this is, for those of you who don't remember, Cuomo was one of the first governors to order that nursing homes be demanded. He demanded that nursing homes accept patients who had tested positive for the coronavirus. Literally, stick people with the coronavirus into nursing homes and facilities Full of elderly people with lots of pre existing conditions and see how that goes. So, the report from Attorney General James in New York suggests that 12,743 people died of the coronavirus in nursing homes on Cuomo's watch. This was from data collected from 62 nursing homes showing that the death toll of residents was 56% higher then publicly acknowledged by the New York Department of Health. They apparently were undercounting deaths by one of the excuses that Cuomo's administration used to try to downplay how many people died as a result of this policy, because he did eventually cancel this policy when he faced backlash for it. One excuse they used was to say, oh, if someone is reported ill at the nursing home, but is then transported to the hospital and dies at the hospital... Oh, they technically didn't die in a nursing home. So that doesn't count as a nursing home death, right? So th- from the they using that logic, they claimed only about 8,700 had died at nursing homes of coronavirus-related fatalities. So when this was broken, and this is the thing, too, Trump's not in office anymore. So now the media can finally do its job every now and then and report fairly on these things and hammer Cuomo and hammer him and hammer him and hammer him. And, hammer him and oh, boy, that is exactly what happened. He's been giving these daily press conferences uh, addressing the coronavirus situation in New York. On Friday, January the 29th, oh boy, did the reporters let him have it. They began asking him some very tough questions right away about this report and what it means. And how, again, this was a direct result of his policy, by the way, his policy that made this happen. And... This press conference, uh, we're going to put a link to this press conference in the description below. The whole thing is ridiculous. He even literally, just a few minutes before the clip I'm going to play here, he's literally talking about how, oh, we're still going to be on lockdown during Valentine's Day. And I know a lot of you you know lovers out there want to propose to your significant other on Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, how about this? How about you propose on Valentine's Day, and then one month later, you have your wedding reception of no more than 100 people in a large open space. Like literally, He's literally <laughs> dictating how you should propose and how your wedding should go. He's literally saying, here's how you should conduct your wedding. It wasn't bad enough that they had to literally ask us to cancel Christmas and Thanksgiving. No, now the governor's gonna tell you how to propose and <laughs> how to have your wedding. This is all real. I'm not gonna play that clip because it's not really relevant to the main story here, but. This is, from this press conference, let's just go ahead and get to the meat of this. So the first, he opens up uh, questions to reporters. This is all done virtually, of course. The very first question right out the gate.
2: Good afternoon, Governor. Your staff is often unapologetically aggressive when it comes to defending your policies, particularly on social media. But in this case, many of the people who disagree with how this whole situation was handled with the nursing homes have a very personal connection to it. They've lost someone in the pandemic tied to a nursing home. So the policy aside, who was right, who was wrong, just as a father, as a son, what would your message be to those families today?
3: What I would say is uh, everyone did the best they could. Uh, When I say the uh, State Department of Health, as the report said, Uh, the State Department of Health followed federal guidance. So uh, if you think there was a mistake, then go talk to the federal government. It's not about pointing fingers or blame. It's that this became a political football, right? Uh, Look, whether a person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, it's the people died. People died. I was in a hospital. I got transferred to a nursing home, and my father died. My father was in a nursing home, got transferred to a hospital, and my father died.
0: People died. People died. Hey, hey, Jacob, did you know that people died? Yeah, a lot of them
1: them died thanks to him.
0: Uh, I just can't. And that's just the beginning. It just gets worse. So first off, you notice what he did there? First off, he said oh, uh, in terms of blame, you know, uh, why don't you go talk to the federal government? Obviously, he's referring to Trump. That's that's a jab at Trump. But in the very next breath, he says it's not about blame. Right. Like, Bro, you literally just half a nanosecond to go blame Trump. And then you turn around and say, oh, this isn't about blame. He, d- this man has absolutely zero self-awareness, zero self-awareness. Furthermore. You heard there he mentioned, oh, my father died. My father died. His father, who was also governor of uh, New York, Mario Cuomo, served three terms. He, Mario Cuomo died in 2015, by the way. Most people don't know that. You, you hear him say that. Oh, his father died of the coronavirus. No, he died in 2015. His father's death had nothing to do with the virus. What is that? How is that supposed to help?
1: Basically how- trying to tell the people who lost loved ones to COVID thanks to his incompetence, I know how you feel because my dad died two years ago.
0: I just I can't this actually I remember listening to this part live I actually heard that part live as he said people die people die people die and it actually made me livid oh but wait there's more by the way the same
3: people are dying today 96% of the people who die are older people with comorbidities which happens to be the population that lives in nursing homes it's continuing today even with all the testing that we're doing uh if you look at new york state we have a lower percentage of deaths in nursing homes than other
0: states oh oh, so so they had comorbidities they had pre-existing conditions so they were just going to die anyway, right? That's it. Am, I, am I listening to this right, Jacob? He's essentially saying they were going to die anyway. Just deal with it.
1: It's funny how when Republicans actually tried to point out the age of COVID victims and the fact that many of them weren't going to live very much longer to try to defend the Trump administration – The Democrats were very quick to point out that that's irrelevant because these people died because of Trump. But all of a sudden now that Trump's out of the way, now you see Cuomo using the same exact arguments to defend his performance. Apparently now it's it's relevant. It's okay to use those kind of tactics and those kind of arguments.
0: So is he also essentially saying that it's okay now to talk about things like the CDC study that shows only 6 percent of people actually died of the virus and the remaining 94 percent? die due to pre-existing conditions that are exacerbated by the virus is
1: sure because you know it's it's on him the blame is now on him not on trump
3: can you protect old people with comorbidities from covid totally no no if we could it would be over if it wasn't over last year it would have been over by now right it's still not over So I understand the pain. Uh, I understand the the search for answers, Uh, but it was a tragedy and I I feel the anguish and I feel the pain Uh, and I get the anger. My father died. I wish I had someone to blame. It would've made me feel better maybe. But they're in my thoughts and prayers.
0: Oh, if you guys could see my face right now, I am actually losing my composure just listening to this and looking at this guy's face. This guy, if you listen to even look at his face and listen to his voice, you can tell he's going for that politician thing where he feigns like he feels bad. Like he's almost like he's trying to bring on a couple of tears, like he maybe put some eye drops in his eyes or something before this. (laughs) He is trying to make it seem like he cares when he clearly does not. This man could literally could not care less. If you cared, you would not have put them in those nursing homes in the first place, Andrew. If you cared in the first place, you would not be locking down businesses all over the state and sending people fleeing for their lives by the hundreds of thousands out of your biggest city, Andrew. You would not be acting like a mafia boss. That's the thing about this guy. This guy acts like a mafia boss, except he does not have any of the charisma. He's not cool or suave. He's not like a a Robert De Niro or a Jack Nicholson or even an Al Pacino. This guy is just a scumbag. He is in many ways even more detestable. Than a mob boss. I have more respect for the mafia at this point than I do for this guy because this guy operates very much like the mafia, but he uses the institutions of power in his favor. He's using the governorship as an outlet to basically act like a mob boss. I can't stand this guy. He is absolutely disgusting. He's reprehensible. I am furious on behalf of the people in New York and my few friends I have in New York. I just can't stand this guy. He's horrible. He's a disgusting human being. I seriously hope he loses reelection next time around, but I'm not going to hold my breath because it is New York. But that would be hysterical if he were to lose. Because by the way, you know who's talking about running for governor of New York in 2022? George Pataki, the Republican who came along in 1994 as part of the big Republican revolution and served as governor uh, for three terms of his own. In 94, by the way, you know who he defeated to become uh, governor of New York in 1994? Mario Cuomo. Mario Cuomo. He denied Cuomo a fourth term. And now he's talking about possibly coming back and doing the same thing to the son, Andrew. Now, Pataki, don't get me wrong. He is kind of a rhino. He doesn't like Trump. You know, he's a New York Republican. But I would still have to tip my hat to that guy if he came along and successfully slayed two generations of the Cuomo dynasty. That would just be absolutely priceless. So I know I'm not providing too much great, you know, really complex commentary for this. I just I I can't find the words of this. I am just angry i'm enraged the lack of compassion he has for the people that he killed he again you make that policy decision what did you think was going to happen andrew what did you think was going to happen when you put sick people into nursing homes this should not be rocket science what did you think was going to happen maybe that's just the best to, to leave it at that point then i i've thought of all the words i can think of within the bounds of reason obviously without cursing without any rude suggestions about what he should do to himself. He just is just a disgusting person in a, in a way that's I think he's almost worse than Whitmer. I think he's almost worse than Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer is pretty bad, but this guy is because, you know, too, they, they were propping him up for a while. I think they were preparing for Biden to lose. And they were seeing this guy as the new standard bearer of the party. They were saying Cuomo for president. Surely Cuomo will run for president. Governor New York with his leadership. And now I think he knows too, especially with Biden. And so whatever happens with Biden, one way or another, Kamala is probably going to be the nominee in 2024. And looking at at least two terms, because she's obviously younger and not senile like Biden is, his time is not coming anytime soon to run for president. And especially now with his new Democratic Party, that is increasingly less and less and less about old white men. He knows his has probably slipped away, and he probably did want to run for president, but he knows he's probably never going to get that chance again. So this is just a man coping with the twilight of his political career.
1: Well, I, and I do agree that it was uh, – the media was looking at him as being a potential 2024 candidate, especially CNN because it's – I mean his brother works at CNN. So yep. that was when – they were definitely propping him up all during the spring, hoping to showcase his leadership versus Trump's leadership to show that this is the way a real leader – you know, this is how a real executive acts during a time of crisis. But uh, unfortunately for him, Biden got in and, you know, it's not taking the Biden administration very long to jump on the America last bandwagon. And we've got a perfect example of that with what the Justice Department is doing now, which it's investigating Elon Musk's SpaceX following a complaint of hiring discrimination. So when, you know, on face value, a person sees this CNBC headline, they're going to assume, okay, well, Elon Musk is company SpaceX. They must have been discriminating against black Americans. They must have been discriminating against non-white Americans because that's typically what the Justice Department under a Democratic administration is going to look at, discrimination against American citizens based on race, religion or creed, something of that nature. But no, 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 no. This is – this actually was opened last year, this investigation in this company because a complaint was filed in May of last year by a non-U.S. citizen. So the DOJ's Immigrant Employee Rights Section received a complaint – of employment discrimination from a non-U.S. citizen claiming that the company discriminated against him based on his citizenship status. But get this. It's not just the fact that he was a non-U.S. citizen. You may be thinking, OK, well, he's an immigrant. He's, he's a legal immigrant in the United States just looking for work, and Musk's company isn't hiring immigrants. They're only hiring American citizens, which, by the way, is what every company in America should be doing. American citizens should be getting – they should be the first one through the door and if immigrants want jobs they should have to get the ones that american citizens weren't able to get american citizens should be brought to the front of the line when it comes to employment but that's not even what this is about this it says the charges allege that on a, on or about march 10th 2020 during the charging party's interview for the position of technology strategy associate spacex made inquiries about his citizenship status and ultimately failed to hire him for the position because he is not a us citizen or lawful permanent resident. This individual, we don't even know if they're living in the United States at the time. They're not even a lawful permanent resident. For all we know, this is an illegal immigrant who's living in the United States. They applied for the job. They didn't get the job. They were asked about their uh, citizenship status and legal residency, and they were refused employment allegedly based on their non-citizenship status and their non-legal residency. And now uh, they're bringing a complaint to the Justice Department claiming discrimination, so, the Justice Department is now demanding that SpaceX turn over certain documents that they subpoenaed that SpaceX refused to turn over regarding this. But this, you know, SpaceX appealed this and they wanted the case to be thrown out. The Justice Department, under the Trump administration, refused to throw the case out. And now, under Biden, they're going to be charging full speed ahead on this case, looking to help this individual, this apparent illegal immigrant, sue SpaceX. For damages, apparently, for them not hiring an illegal immigrant. So we we literally have an American Justice Department that is suing a company for not hiring illegal immigrants, rather than suing companies for hiring illegal immigrants. So you know, used to the Democratic Party, at least during the early 2000s and 2010s, especially under the Obama administration, you know, the understanding is that once you get a Democratic administration in, they're going to go very lightly on companies who hire illegal immigrants because the illegal immigrants are married or the fathers of the kids of legal immigrants whom the Democratic Party hopes to eventually make their voters. So they don't want to they don't want to anger the legal immigrants who are eventually going to become naturalized. This isn't even about that. Now they're going a step further and they're looking to punish a company for not hiring an illegal immigrant. At this point, you know, Americans, not only can they not expect the government to go to bat for them in protecting their jobs, but they can now expect the government to go to bat for foreigners to take their jobs. It's basically everything that the Biden administration has done, whether whether it's the Keystone XL pipeline, whether it's this, it's basically just one big middle finger to the American worker, and or the now the fifteen dollar you know the fifteen dollar minimum wage. Every single act that the uh, that this administration is doing with regard to American workers is basically just telling American workers that they're expendable. You know they're they can we can always bring in foreigners to do their jobs, and now they're even going to fight for the right of foreigners to if illegal foreigners to take their jobs.
0: That really is clown world in a nutshell. Where, how did we get to this point, Jacob? That we we now- got
1: to this point. We got to this point by teaching generations and generations of Americans that the United States is not a legitimate country because you think about this as the logical next step. If you believe that America is a nation built on stolen land, that the Europeans who settled this country weren't here legitimately that their descendants are still immigrants even though we were all born here. And if you teach them that the country itself is a nation of immigrants, then wh- why wouldn't the logical next step be for the government to give immigrants and future immigrants preference over the native-born citizens? Because if we're a nation of immigrants, that means all immigrants are equal to people who are born here. So this is this is just from decades and decades of propaganda. This is natural. This is This is what we can expect when you propagandize a nation to believe that they are basically bastards in their own nation
0: when you do not have a national identity you don't have a nation as far as i'm concerned that's why you know you have these these leftists who among their chants are no borders, no wall, no USA, at, no all. USA they, at all. They literally don't think we are a legitimate country. But every other country in the world, I guess, although by that logic, the idea, oh, the Europeans weren't legitimate when they came here. So realistically, shouldn't everybody get kicked out and the Native Americans should just have this country to themselves?
1: Well, the argument would go, well, it's too late to do that at this point. Obviously, you can't send everyone back to Europe or back to Africa or back to Asia, wherever, you know, from whence they came. So instead, let's just, since, you know, our ancestors invaded this land, Let's allow ourselves to be invaded. Let's allow people to come here with no documentation and give them the same rights and the same protection in employment discrimination laws as you would give U.S. citizens because this is the U.S. You – know, the U.S. Justice Department that's going to bat for a non-U.S. citizen the same way they would if this were a U.S. citizen dis- discriminated against because of their race but because of their non- – they're suing based on their non-citizenship status, saying I was discriminated against because I'm not a U.S. citizen and I wasn't even here legally. So yeah this is this really is we really are entering a post American we're, we're it's almost as if we are an occupied country you know you gotta almost as like if you' got a foreign government who's given priority to foreigners over Americans
0: and again I know last time we talked we uh, addressed um, the last episode we addressed the uh, the energy workers and the unions that backed Biden and obviously are now regretting that decision after he killed the Keystone XL pipeline once again working class voters must take one look at this at the Biden DOJ taking this initiative to put illegals way at the front of the line to just cut in front of everyone else and are probably thinking what what in the world are we voting for what in the world did we vote for did this guy actually just do this you know he's scranton joe right he's working class pennsylvania or i guess delaware sometimes scranton joe you know working class joe blue collar joe Nope, it was never going to be a thing, unfortunately. He was never going to care about the American workers. This was Joe Biden of the 90s when he wasn't senile? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. but...
1: and that's That brings up another another point. You know, A lot of this uh, – Joe Biden probably doesn't even have any idea this is going on. I seriously doubt he has any idea this is going on. And I would be willing to believe that Donald Trump didn't know that his Justice Department was doing this. Again, you got to remember these are permanent bureaucracies. These employees at the Justice Department, the FBI, they've been here since Clinton. Many of them have been here since Bush Sr., so they stay in. You know, Demo- uh, Democrats and Republicans come and go. They are here permanently. And when you get down to it, when you understand that the federal workforce is extremely is very far to the left when you compare them to most Americans. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the cool things about living in the DMV and waiting tables on weekends is when federal employees come in to eat, they just assume that they can say anything they want to in front of you because you're a pleb and you're not going to have any idea what they're talking about. <laughs> so. This was a couple of nights ago. A couple of employees came through, and I, over the course of their conversation, I um, knew that they were employees of the FBI. And one of the things that they, they were talking about, which the GameStop thing, which we're going to get to later, but they were talking about how, um, you know, the, how left and right were on the same – Ted Cruz and AOC were very briefly on the same page. And they assumed that because Ted Cruz is a Republican that he would go to bat for the short sellers. They just assumed that because you know Republicans support big business, they support Wall Street cronies. And one of them made the comment, yeah, for, for 250 years, this is the way it's – this is just the way it's been. We've had systems in place that have – given these people, even though they make up 30 percent of the population, has been given these people power. I mean, Ted Cruz, they wouldn't even be in Congress if it weren't for these systems, these racist systems that are in place. And I'm thinking, what systems are you talking about? Are you talking about a system that allows an, uh, the son of a refugee immigrant to get, well, I think he's got two Ivy League degrees and become a U.S., uh, you know, United States senator? I mean, if that's if that's the kind of system you're talking about, as good liberals, I would think you would support that system. But you've got these these Democrats who are indoctrinated in the federal workforce by critical race theory—they're indoctrinated by these anti-American, these you know, the the culture that is now um, training them to believe that America is an illegitimate nation, that for 250 years we've had racist systems in place that have privileged a small percentage of the population over the masses, and that it's perfectly all right to give preference to foreigners over Americans—and you're going to have something like this in the DOJ. So you know whether you got Donald Trump as president or Joe Biden as president until Americans actually clamp down on the bureaucracy and start holding these these bureaucrats to the values that the majority of Americans um, hold dear, which the majority of Americans – I guarantee if you poll Americans, do you believe that America is a racist nation? Most Americans will say no. Do you believe America is an illegitimate nation? Most Americans would say no. Do you believe America should treat future immigrants the same way? In other words, foreigners the same way as we treat Americans, they would say no. But the bureaucrats, they've been indoctrinated by not just the universities they attended – but also the federal training sessions like the, the sensitivity trainings, the critical race theory trainings. These, you know, we think that most employees, they just sit through this stuff and they're like, oh, this is a bunch of BS. I'm, you know, I'm just here because I have to be here. And that's true for some employees. But a lot of employees, they eat it up. They become indoctrinated just like people in uh, you know, a bureaucracy in a communist country would become indoctrinated through the universities they attended and the you – know, whatever training sessions they had to attend to become employees for their communist government. So this is until Americans really rein in the bureaucracies and get the bureaucracies to you know adhere to the values that we hold dear we're going to continue to see preferential treatment given to foreigners over our own people.
0: Yeah, and the bureaucracy not just that, but it's funny that you mentioned that the guys you overheard were FBI because just recently the FBI was involved in another episode of completely getting away with something that no average American would get away with. So you guys remember the the whole russian collusion nonsense right the, the tom clancy novel that the left tried to spin for three years as donald trump is a russian agent and he's working with vladimir putin and he's a manchurian candidate well jacob want to tell us about how supposedly the one guy who might have supposedly been on the hook for that is about to walk free
1: <laughs> this is one thing about the right for so long they saw republicans getting um, getting arrested and going to prison for all kind of illegal stuff like who was it trump's campaign manager uh, paul manafort so like he got arrested and then others got arrested in the Trump collusion hoax, and so they were hoping that the John Durham investigation would overturn some of this stuff and send some Democrats to jail. But when you actually look at the details, if you actually look at what happened in the, the spying on the Trump campaign, most of it was just impropriety. Like, yeah, there was a little bit of illegal activity, and uh, Smith is an example, but most of it was impropriety on the part of federal departments. That's that, uh
0: Kevin Kleinsmith by Ke- the way, right? It, it, that's his full name?
1: Yeah, yeah, Kevin Kleinsmith. Yeah. You know, the, a lot most of it was just impropriety by these um, federal departments that, you know, this is something that the voters have to hold the politicians accountable for, and they did with by electing Donald Trump. I mean, that was uh, that was partly because of Hillary's email scandal and the fact that James Comey refused to prosecute Hillary Clinton. So people look at that and they're like, well, Comey, you know, I'm sure a Republican would have been prosecuted. So they see a double standard. In the case of Kleinsmith, we actually do have someone who was finally arrested for illegal activity. Now, what exactly did Kevin Smith do? Without going too deep into the weeds, the FBI put Carter Page, who worked for the Trump campaign, under surveillance, and they believed that he might be a Russian asset. Well, Kevin Smith had talked to a CIA agent who mentioned that Carter Page at one point was a CIA asset. And the argument being that he's not going to be a foreign agent if he was already worked for the CIA. Well, the email that Smith received from that CIA operative, he changed some of the wording around. He changed the email and sent it to his superiors because he didn't believe it. He didn't believe that Carter Page had actually worked for the CIA. So he altered the email and sent it into his superiors to show that Carter Page was not – had not been a CIA asset. And therefore the court – what's the what's the court allows them to surveil?
0: That's the FISA court. The
1: FISA court, yes. Yeah. So the purpose of this was so that way the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court would reissue the warrant to eavesdrop on Page's communications. And the reason why this is crucial is because if Klein Smith had not altered that email – then it's very likely that the FISA court would not have extended the continued surveillance on, on Carter Page because it wouldn't have made any sense. If Carter Page had worked for the CIA in the past, why would he now be working for the Russians? So the penalty for this is anywhere from zero to 12 months in jail. So in Klein Smith, it, it came out that he was very anti-Trump. His personal communication um, – Shocker. Yeah, he was – like most of these FBI employees, they are very vehemently anti-Trump. If you were in D.C., like we were in 2017, and you walked around Georgetown, and you overheard some of the conversations that these federal employees had about Trump. They they hated Trump because Trump was coming in to bust up their party. That's why they hated him. So it's no surprise that this guy, the Klein Smith, was anti-Trump. So they alleged that you know the the allegation was that bias caused Klein Smith to alter this email. But whether he did or he didn't, I mean, there's something that would cause an American citizen to be put under surveillance. Uh, I, in my opinion, he deserved the full 12 months. Well, he's not he's not going to get a single day in jail. So, U.S. District Judge James Bosberg gave him 12 months probation, you know, rather than any jail time. You know, you think about it, Papadopoulos for, he told a falsehood to the FBI. I think he later claimed that he didn't recall the information or whatever, but they called him in a lie. That didn't really have any implication whatsoever on the Russia investigation, and he ended up spending, I think it was 14 days in jail. Paul Manafort gets the book thrown at him. Roger Stone gets the, they were going to put Roger Stone in jail for, in prison for like nine years for General Flynn. Yeah, General Flynn, they, they were going to throw the book at these – at um, the people in the Trump – on the Trump campaign, the Trump administration, and Klein Smith alters an email that ends up putting Trump campaign operative under surveillance by the FBI, and he gets a little slap on the wrist. It's not surprising, but you got to remember the, the entire D.C. system, the bureaucrats, most of the judges, they're so anti-Republican. Like when you have FB, people who work for the FBI that believe that we've had systems in this country that give Republicans you know, undue advantage, it's somehow racist systems. It's just kind of just wacky stuff. Obviously, there's going to be a two-tier justice system with something like this.
0: Honestly, I don't know what's worse, deep state swamp creatures getting away scot-free for literally committing federal crimes and trying, basically trying to stage a coup against an elected president like they did with Trump or terrorist groups. Literally getting Nobel Peace Prize nominations for burning America to the ground. So this one, this one just blew my mind. So Norwegian MP, that's a member of parliament, Peter Eddy, probably horribly mispronounced his last name, but who cares, formally nominated Black Lives Matter for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize, saying, quote, I find that one of the key challenges we have seen in America, but also in Europe and Asia, is the kind of increasing conflict based on inequality. Black Lives Matter has become a very important worldwide movement to fight racial injustice. They have had a tremendous achievement in raising global awareness and consciousness about racial injustice. So I guess advocating for the abolition of the nuclear family and calling to completely defund and abolish police departments is somehow peaceful, right? That's, that's raising awareness about... Racial injustice, I guess. I don't know. I mean, granted, he's a European, so he probably does not – he is not here to actually witness that stuff. And they have a very – obviously, most European nations, especially the Western nations, have very, very much farther left views on social issues than we do here in America. Like the kind of right-wingers who get elected in America still to this day, like the Ted Cruz's, would never get elected in a European country unless it's like one of those base central or eastern European countries like Poland or Hungary. But this is just astounding to me because he then goes on to say – continuing to shower praise on them they have been able to mobilize people from all groups of society not just african americans not just oppressed people it has been a broad movement in a way which has been different from their predecessors huh this is great he of course has to he he has some self-awareness that he has to address the elephant in the room he says quote studies have shown that most of the demonstrations organized by black lives matter have been peaceful. OK, tell that to the business owners who had their businesses burned to the ground in cities all across the country. Tell that to the equivalent of over $2 billion worth of damage yeah. across the country over the summer. Tell that to the families of the roughly 25 people who were murdered as part of these Black Lives Matter riots. One says, of the
1: things they, they quote whenever – the one of the things they're, they're referencing is they'll pull uh, every protest in the wake of the George, Flo- the George Floyd death – even in small little towns and hamlets that protested police brutality, and like five people. Yeah, they'll add that to the overall, you know, the, the overall dynamic. But those weren't Black Lives Matter protests. A lot of those people were just older folks who got out, you know, local citizens that protested what they believed was a police murder. They protested for a day or two and then they left. They didn't do it anymore. They didn't have anything to do with Black Lives Matter.
0: Yeah, I would love to see those studies. By the way, uh, Mister uh, MP Eddie, I would love to see those studies because he then goes on to say, "quote." Of course, there have been incidents, but most of them have been caused by the activities of either the police or counter-protesters, <laughs> end quote. Okay, oh, what? so what? Counter-protesters burned down small businesses? Pol- uh, police burned down police precincts, Mr. Eddie? Because I – uh, something, something doesn't add up there, buddy.
1: In Richmond, Black Lives Matter protesters set fire to a house, a multifamily house with a child inside and blocked the fire trucks as the fire trucks tried to make their way to the house to put out the fire while people were screaming, there's a child inside. The Black Lives Matter protesters blocked the fire truck. The police had to come and literally fight their way through the rioters so the fire truck could make it through and save that child's life. So, you know, if you – I guess if you support Black Lives Matter, you can one day tell your grandkids that you supported a movement that tried to send a message by burning children alive.
0: I just, again this you could chalk this up to just some dumb lefty european who has no idea what he's talking about but they probably won't even win i don't know if they'll win the award if they do god help us all but just the nomination alone is an actual insult. Yeah, there's
1: no excuse there's no excuse whatsoever for anyone supporting BLM in 2021. There's you can't claim ignorance. I mean you you got all of this stuff everything is on youtube. And even for the death of George Floyd, all you have to do is go to the YouTube search bar and type in George Floyd body cam footage, and you can see that the whole premise that they started this – what is it? The third or fourth wave of BLM protests started way back in I think like 2014. You can tell that the whole premise is false. So there's no excuse for supporting this movement in 2021 unless you're just a psychopath.
0: Let's go ahead and move on to the fun stuff. Oh boy, the main topic for today. This is the main course. You guys ready for this? There are oh, there, there are times, Jacob, when I think. First off, th- the existence of the internet, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest love hate relationship of all time. The worst days, the internet was the biggest mistake in the history of mankind, as far as I'm concerned. But on the best days... Oh, Sometimes
1: it brings poetic justice, that's for
0: sure. On the best days, the internet is one of the greatest things. This, man, this is GameStop story. Surely you all know what we're talking about. This is... For one thing, every single time I see this story even referenced, I can't help but just start giggling like an idiot and have this stupid grin on my face. The idea that a bunch of autistic Redditors can organize a movement to buy GameStop GameStop stocks and cause the value to skyrocket. And the reaction you got from these Wall Street types, these hedge fund types, there was this goofy looking dude on Fox News, I think Fox Business, wearing literally a bow tie and a jacket that looked literally like a cow, like a cow skin. It was literally black and white spotted. And he was fuming like, ban these people. We've got to have regulations to ban these people from doing this ever again. This is just the greatest thing. The memes, we've got to talk about the memes for just a few seconds. We have to talk about, I would put this right up there alongside the McCloskey incident. When uh the McCloskey, the couples Mark and I think Patricia McCloskey defended their home bravely uh, from the black lives matter mob with their guns out and everything. And, and the Kyle Rittenhouse incident. Those were two incidents from which a lot of great memes were produced about everything that happened. So, some of these memes are just absolutely priceless. we got to talk about. There's this great tweet, uh, this satirical tweet from a guy named Rob uh, Payone at Crypto underscore Bobby. Facetiously addressing these Wall Street types. Quote, you did the right thing. Memorized the intelligent investor at age 15. Undergrad at Harvard. First job at Goldman Sachs. Got your CFA, MBA from Wharton, opened your own fund after finally tuning your craft. And then you were liquidated by a coalition of chicken tender eating high school dropouts. (laughs) Breitbart's alum Bakari tweeted this out. Here's an exclusive photo that was captured of the CEO of GameStop spotted on Wall Street earlier today. And it's a still shot of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker dancing on the stairs. Yep,
1: yep. my favorite, One of the best ones I saw was it was, a, it was a split image of GameStop as some kind of creature with a tail. Um, and then it shows the millennial as a little kid, as a turtle. And he's holding the millennial by the hand as he's walking him down the street. And then the next image, GameStop is now a decrepit old person. You know, they're they're hunched over and they got a cane. And the millennial is now a strong warrior. The turtle as a turtle. Teenage mutant now-
0: ninja turtles. This yep. in-
1: oh, okay. It's from Ninja Turtles. Yes. Okay. So and he's got like two swords on his on his, the back of his shell, and he's helping helping the old GameStop gentleman down the street. And that was like, I was like, yes, that's, so that's what accurate. this is about.
0: Another another great one. Just one more. I'm only picking the ones that are just as funny as I as describing them as actually seeing them. The caption. GameStop sitting amongst Tesla and Amazon after Reddit users make it a Fortune 500 company. And it's a shot like around a boardroom table of like a bunch of guys, you know, professionally dressed in suits and everything with their laptops. And Big Bird is sitting among them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, this is one of the greatest things. But in all seriousness, this is a very, very big deal. Uh, certainly, it does have economic imp- uh, implications, of course. Some people like Steve Forbes, the uh, of, of that Forbes magazine and two-time Republican presidential candidate, were literally predicted this could cause the market to crash. This could literally cause uh, the economy to just completely crash and another recession could happen. I don't know if it would go that far, but certainly you can obviously, yeah, you can only manipulate the stock market for a certain amount of time before a bubble eventually bursts. But- this also certainly does have implications, just the socio-political aspects of it, that, yeah, as you were saying, Jacob, these hedge fund types, and technically you can make all the jokes about Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street, whatever, that these people have been artificially manipulating prices and stocks for years. That's literally what they do for a living. But then, as soon as a bunch of gamers in their basement do, do the same thing as a joke started on Reddit, they lose their minds and demand laws be passed immediately.
1: Yep now all, now all of a sudden they're pro regulation. Now they want as much government regulation as they possibly can to get these uh, get these little punks in line. And what I noticed about it, what I knew what was going to happen whenever this started, whenever I first uh, heard about this story is um, I knew that they were going to somehow find a way to put a stop to this. Because here's the thing, you can't elect someone without having to having to fight these people. And when I say these people, I mean the hedge fund managers, the billionaires who pour I – mean, you think about how much money they poured into the 2020 election, even the 2016 election to stop Donald Trump. They poured they, – they, they outspent Trump like five to one whenever you add in all of the super PACs. So you you almost can't win elections without these people's permission. You can't really. Uh, I mean, what else can't you do? You can't if you're a, a public figure. You can't hold an opinion without these people's permission because they will send the mob after you and cancel you. So they almost have society by you know they have society by the throat. So, when this started happening and I saw that the market was starting to go down, like the, the stock market was starting to, every, every like NASDAQ, the, uh, the Dow, everything was going down, I knew they were going to find some way to put a stop to this. You know, I didn't think it would be this brazen. I didn't think it would be this open. I was thinking, okay, they'll somehow get the SEC to step in, they'll find some kind of technicality. But no, the, the brokerage companies just cut it off. Like they just turned the switch off, said you can't trade, like um, Robinhood said, you can sell, but you can't buy. They did that for about a good 12 hours, I think, more than 12 hours. So you're after you've bought this stock, the, the price is going to go down. You can't buy any more stock, but you can sell it. So you can sell it to the billionaire. Not only do the, the hedge fund managers get to cover their short, but you can sell them the stock, but you can't buy anymore. So they're literally stealing – Robinhood was actually stealing money from their customers. And somebody pointed this out that – the reason they can do that is because the the people with the accounts on Robinhood they're not the actual customers they are the product, so their Robinhood makes their money by selling their information to the hedge funds. The hedge funds are the actual customers of Robinhood, which is why they're able to stop their product from continuing to buy more uh, more shares. So I, I you know I didn't get involved I didn't buy any stock uh, with with uh, I didn't buy any Gamestop uh, stop stock, but I can imagine that I can understand the frustration that people felt. And this is this really opened up a lot of a lot of pent-up frustration, a lot of pent-up anger. You got to remember millennials came of age at a time that was very similar to the Great Depression. I mean, you think about p- people who were kids in the 1920s, they came of age in 1929, 1930, 1931, they're thinking, "Okay, I'm going to go start a business, I'm going to go get a good, go to move to town, get a good paying job." And the Great Depression comes through and just devastates the economy. This was a very similar storyline to what millennials faced whenever the Great Recession hit in 2008. So a lot of millennials are still very, very pissed off at Wall Street for what they did during the Great Recession. And you know, this GameStop uh, stuff, it's really starting to let out uh, – it's really starting to show that a lot of that anger has never been appeased. And it's going to take a lot of hedge fund managers losing a lot of money before that anger gets appeased. And I, I think this is awesome. I think it's great.
0: Yeah, and I think actually uh, Nigel Farage addressed this and referred to this uh, this whole movement, this GameStop rebellion, as the spiritual successor to the Brexit and Donald Trump movements. And it certainly has been compared to the MAGA movement in a lot of ways, certainly the populist tones like the regular guys, the little guys, average Joes living in their parents' basement, gamers rising up and humiliating Wall Street, humiliating some of the wealthiest, and most powerful people on the planet, which is certainly uh, – again, that is an appealing aspect – New York Times has a really interesting piece kind of talking about the origins of this with a YouTuber, a social media user, who goes by the online alias of Roaring Kitty. Uh, his real name is Keith Gill. He's 34 years old. Apparently a former financial educator for an insurance firm in his home state of Massachusetts. he's apparently, apparently first started kind of talking about these kinds of tactics back in 2019. And at the height of this with GameStop, he, according to the byline of the New York Times, his $53,000 investment in the company briefly reached $48 million in value. So <laughs> some people, I think the New York Times piece kind of is maybe painting this guy as kind of the ringleader. Now, whether or not that's uh, purely for informative purposes or perhaps kind of nudging their buddies on Wall Street to say, hey, if, if you guys want to scalp on a – if you want to head on a silver platter, this guy might be a uh, prime candidate number one. I don't know. But, but this reinforces that this was totally organic. This was – this is the kind of stuff you I usually wouldn't expect it from Reddit. Again, this came from Reddit, the subreddit R slash Wall Street Bets, which I think has become probably the second prominent uh subreddit to be banned. You know, first they banned the Donald, you know, the pro-Trump subreddit page. And then they briefly banned uh R Wall Street Bets. They eventually created a new one, R. Wall Street Bets New, before they unlocked uh, restored access to R. Wall Street Bets, the original. But this is it, the, how organic this is is really well, another this big is a, this story. this isn't
1: supposed to happen. This is, this is the reason – so here's, what, here's how 2021 was supposed to play out. Everyone – the media narrative was that 2020 sucked, that we finally got rid of the president who made 2020 suck. That was the narrative they were pushing. Now we've got, finally got Democrats in power. Joe Biden is president. We finally got a minority as vice president. So now we've got representation, and we've got, we got the first woman – we got the first female secretary of the treasury. By the way, that's what – Jen Psaki pointed out when they asked her when they first asked her about what was going on, her her response was, "Oh, we have the first female, we have the first woman who's the Treasury Secretary, as if you know who cares. This doesn't have you know, but anyway, that's we have our
0: first black Secretary of Defense now, right?
1: Right. So they want they've got the representation. It's like okay, that'll that'll keep minorities happy, so they'll stop pitching a fit." And they're finally figuring, OK, we've got kind of a left to center government that'll keep the, the millennials happy so, who are still struggling financially. And then this happens. This is this really throws a monkey wrench in their plans because they want 2021 to play out smoothly. They want the Biden administration to be able to send out checks, to be able to send out stimulus and help people. People will be happy with what they have. They'll be happy with the crumbs they're being thrown. And they'll move into sort of like an FDR we will finally move into a Democratic majority FDR era. Well, for the next 12 years, we'll have Democratic administrations who will move us away from populism. So this really, really messes up their plan because, you know, look, the the average millennial Democrat does not think like the average Democrat in power. The Biden administration is slam full of people who have worked on Wall Street. It's slam full of people who have been corporate shills their entire life. And a perfect example. Now, this she is not a Biden administration official, but this is kind of some of the thinking that goes behind the people who are sca- who look at the Redditors as basically just a bunch of peasants who don't know what they're doing. Some of them want to use carrots. Others want to use sticks. Laura Unger is one of them that wants to use a stick. So uh, she went on CNBC and said this.
4: So the SEC does have the authority to suspend trading if it thinks that the market is being manipulated. The unfortunate thing about that is then it almost guarantees that people holding that GameStop stock stock GameStop stock um, would lose money. No kidding. Like, the, the,
1: <laughs> Really, they would lose money if the SEC stopped in and stopped them from trading. And see, this is what I expected to happen when this started. I figured the Biden SEC is going to jump in because whenever they were asking Psaki about this and they were asking the Biden administration about what their reaction to, uh, to it was, instead of coming out and and basically saying, well, hey, look, you know, these Redditors, the little people are now playing by the same rules that these hedge fund managers have been playing at for decades, instead of giving the populist leftists what most leftists think, instead of giving that response, they just said, we're monitoring the situation. That was their continual response. We're monitoring the situation. And uh, yeah, no kidding. If the SEC stepped in, the Redditors would lose money, wouldn't
4: they? Uh, Because it will will impact the market price. But that's something that the SEC could certainly do, and they could – Sort of suspend trading and sort things out and find out who's saying what, whether there's a correlation to trading, whether there is a concerted effort to manipulate the market, or whether this is just a stock that people are really excited about.
1: Uh, well, it was a little bit of a mix. Uh, I, I mean, there were some people who genuinely do care about GameStop, like just like the you know just like the meme. They do. It's a nostalgic company. It is nostalgic for gamers. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of gamers, that was the reason. But most people that were getting in this, they didn't even care if they made any money. In fact, they were willing to lose hundreds of dollars if it meant that these billionaires were going to lose billions. If it meant that they could stick it to these hedge fund managers, they were more than happy to throw away a couple of hundred dollars. So she's talking about, you know, the SEC needs to step in and see if they're actually interested in in GameStop or if they're just doing this to manipulate the market. And this is what I knew was going to end up being a problem. The Biden administration doesn't need market volatility. They need the market to be stable. They need a stable currency. They need a stable market because they need – in order for them to cement, they they know that at least half of the country doesn't feel like they're legitimate. Mm -hmm. And the way that they can gain legitimacy is by making people happy. Specifically making their donors happy, making everyone so that way the news media can show that we now we've got the chaotic Trump administration out of the way. Now we finally got calm in the markets. So everything is peaceful. Everyone's calm. Just lull everyone to sleep, you know. No. But now these rudgers come on. They're, like I said, they're really messing, they're really messing the game up for them.
2: I was just going to say, it doesn't, doesn't what make us harder that it's all happening on social media? I mean, how do you define market manipulation when you're talking
4: about the internet and social media and blogs? Well, if people actually are saying, let's all buy a 1,000 shares now to drive up the, the price, I would say that sounds like market manipulation to me. Whether they're really doing it, who's the person that's saying it, what's their interest in the, raising that stock price, and you know, what's the actual impact? The, the problem is, if the regulators do nothing and this happens, it really puts a lot of um, question about the integrity of the market. Right. And it really kind of everybody's scratching their heads over this. What what should happen? What what is the right thing to do to control this or stop this? Not unlike what we saw on January sixth at the Capitol, right? If you don't have the police in there at the right time, things go a little crazy. And that's kind of feels like what's happening with this much different, much lesser degree. It's financial harm, not personal bodily harm. But but certainly that's the same kind of you know, platform created frenzy um, that that people are operating under, and these are these are very trying times.
0: She just had to throw in an obligatory reference to the Capitol. I mean, come on, how many times are we going to hear about? I swear, the Capitol is the new Charlottesville. They're going to constantly well, it talk shows about it.
1: Thinking is on this. They they do uh, associate the Reddit the Reddit army, the Redditor army, with the Capitol protesters because both of them are populist. Both of them are bucking the system. Both of them are getting out of their place. See. The peons aren't supposed to make money. The peons aren't supposed to trade on Wall Street. And if they do, they should do it to save for their retirement because they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to make no more than $50,000 during their working career. They're supposed to be good little workers. And then if they do invest, it should be through some kind of pension fund so that way they can take care of themselves in old age. It's the fat cats on Wall Street who are supposed to be doing this. And she says these are very trying times. You know, it's very tough times. We just had a populist president. We had his his army storm the Capitol. Very trying times. Yeah, they were trying times for the little guy when for decades your fat cat buddies got to get away with the same stuff on Wall Street. She talks about the Redditors driving up the price of the stock. Well – what do you think that? The, what do you think Melvin Capital was doing? They drove the price down by shorting GameStop. They're the ones who initiated it. And so for decades, when she was in the SEC, she was an SEC commissioner back during the Clinton administration. I think uh, the first couple of years of the Bush administration. Back then, this was before the internet had taken off. Reddit, I don't think even existed. Nope. So now that the little now that the little guy can actually join in on the fund, now that we can actually see. When these hedge fund managers are short in a company, specifically a company that we like, that we grew up with, then that's the point where we can actually fight back. And this is scaring the absolute crap out of these people.
0: It also further reflects just how separated they are from reality. Again, we just had trying times. They talk about this like this is trying for them. Like, oh, some of losing some of our money is so trying. Yeah. How about all the business owners, the hundreds, the thousands of business owners who had their properties burned to the ground by race riots last summer? How about the decades of workers who have had their jobs gutted and sent overseas by your buddies' bad trade deals? You want to talk about tough times? You want to talk about hard times, how trying times economically? Trump was coming along and making things better and was bringing things back and making these times much less trying for the working class. But you guys didn't like that because, no, 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 we have to bring in our cheap immigrant labor and we have to have our trade deals that allows us to get all these imports from China for a few cents cheaper, even though they're made by literal slave labor. The audacity, again, of these people, the disconnect, they think the world revolves around them.
1: Well, it's because for decades it did, and if you see uh, – the way that they want to clamp down on this, we see how big tech is clamping down. They want to – they really – what they would love to do is is merge big tech and big business with government in a very fascistic way so that way they can use the Department of Justice and the FBI – the same way that Twitter, you know, basically the way that Twitter punishes its users, they really want to use the regulatory regulatory agencies, and the FBI and the DOJ, to punish American citizens that way to make sure that they walk the line.
4: Exactly, and 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 this is uh, something that requires a full policy solution, right? The same way that. Um, some of the social media platforms took down the former president's Twitter account and Facebook is having an external advisory board review the content. You know, it could be something that requires a broader solution and approach and a real policy mandate.
1: So if you notice, she references Twitter, how Twitter took Trump off the platform, which that has nothing to do with gamestop That has nothing to do with what's going on here. There are two separate issues. In fact, a lot of the Redditors probably voted for Biden. In fact, I would say most of them did. But the reason why they're linking the two is because, again, they have nothing in common. There's no connection between the two. But the reason why people like Laura Unger are making reference to this is because that's immediately where their mind goes. In fact, there was a major – there was a, a, a reporter for Mother Jones who tweeted out, I've just returned from Telegram and the Nazis are buying GameStop. So these people Nazis
0: now, I guess gamers right. and redditors are Nazis right. they're,
1: now. They're Nazis now because they're bucking the system, just like the just like Trump and his voters bucked the system, the uniparty that we've talked about. These redditors are bucking the uniparty. You're not we don't need market volatility in their mind. You know, cuz they're they're afraid these people are going to crash the stock market, which kind of makes you wonder, you know, exactly how much benefit does it have to the average American when the stock market goes up? and when the stock market goes down these people transferred i saw the number uh, the, the number you might want to need to check we might need to check this but the number i saw just in the first day after this like after Thursday was 70 billion dollars that they transferred from billionaire hedge fund billionaire owned hedge funds to these people on reddit people were paying off their student loan debt that the government subsidized people were Finally, probably able to get out of the you know these forty-year-olds who have been dreaming of owning a home. A lot of them are probably now able to buy a home, at least those that got out early. And this is this is why she's making the connection because it's, it, they're both uh, forms of populism and they both buck the system that the unit Party has supported for decades. So she mentions uh, she mentions that they need to use the same tactics that Twitter used, and this is something that the right has been warning about for the past you know five six years. You see college campuses erupting at free speech and people who come on who come on their campus and disagree with them then you see social media erupting at free speech at people who saying something that goes against the grain eventually what's going to happen is these people are going to move from the campus to the corporation from the corporation to government and their mentality is going to remain the same so these fascists on campuses who rail who basically want to lynch conservative speakers, they're the ones who are eventually going to be running the regulatory agencies. That's why she mentions Twitter. That's why she says we need to have something similar in regulation, like Twitter, you know, like Twitter does in limiting free speech. Marshall Gitler, who's the head of investment research at BD Swiss, he called he also referred to the you know the Reddit populist as the financial quote the financial version of the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. Uh, oh, Sebastian oh. Malaby of the Washington Post wrote – he said – this is an actual headline. He said the good guys in the GameStop story, it's the hedge funds and short sellers.
0: He oh, said, he said they, love the, they love the big Wall Street guys now. Of
1: course, of course. Uh, th- this is who runs the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is the corporate – that's why people claim they're a socialist. They're not a socialist party. They are the corporatist party today. So he, he writes, quote, to suggest a political analogy, they're not just blindly devoted to their candidate. They deny the legitimacy of the opposition party. They are not just acting within the system. They want to overthrow the system. Yeah, that's kind of what we're looking for. He also claimed, quote, a market without short sellers is like a political system without investigative journalists. (laughs) Let me translate that for you. A market without privileged elites is like a political system without gatekeepers.
0: I love that he actually says investigative journalists as if that's a thing anymore. Like there's no – in the mainstream media, there's no investigative journalists But the
1: argument is we need – in politics, we need these quote-unquote investigative journalists because they are the gatekeepers. They keep people from Donald Trump. They keep people like Donald Trump from winning elections. And he's saying in markets, we need short sellers because the short sellers keep companies that the peasants like, like GameStop, from surviving. Keep in mind, these short sell. Melvin Capital, they were trying to kill off. It was uh, Melvin Capital and Citron. They were trying to kill off GameStop. That was how this whole thing started. They were short selling GameStop because GameStop, you know, it's an old. It's an old brick and mortar video game store. They figured people buy video games online. It doesn't need to exist anymore. So they were looking to make a profit by killing GameStop. And this happens over and over again. This is one of the reasons there was a town in Nebraska that actually died because a hedge fund manager decided to short the company that employed most of the people in town. So it was once, once a thriving middle America, you know, really an Americana. I can't remember the name of it, uh, but it was like an Americana community and it dried up and blew away. Because a hedge fund manager wanted to make an extra buck. And so these people have been killing middle America for decades. And now that people decide to start beating them at their own game, now all of a sudden we gotta con- we got to compare them to insurrectionists, people who stormed the Capitol.
0: I'm old enough to remember when the Democrats were literally, like, during the Bush years, when they were against Wall Street and the big banks, and they passed Dodd-Frank and all these things. And even, you know, not too long ago, a little something called Occupy Wall Street that the Democrats were all for. The Democratic Party mostly embraced it. This is one more reason, too, why I got to say, in all complete honesty, because, again, we were talking off the air about this, and we said how Elizabeth Warren gave a lot of lip service to the Occupy mindset. But she, at the end of the day, also answers to her corporate masters, like most others in the Democratic Party. There's only one Democrat out of the Approximately 527 who ran for president last year on the Democrat side, who actually meant it when he said he would take on the corporations and that Wall Street hated him because he knew he would take them on, and that was Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And Again, I know that's why they
1: killed his candidacy. Exactly. They had to kill that candidacy.
0: And I've said, I as bad as Bernie is, if we go into 2020, the simulation of 2020, knowing that Trump is going to lose due to mass voter fraud, which yes is why he lost YouTube. If you had to choose between does he lose to Biden or does he lose to Bernie, I'd rather have him lose to Bernie than Biden, honestly.
1: Yeah, because if someone asked the asked Bernie's spokesperson what they're going to do about this, they would have been very unequivocal in the fact that they're not just going to uh, monitor the situation. They'd be like, we're going to go after the hedge fund managers. We're going to help the Redditors crush the, med- the hedge fund managers. So get this. Melvin Capital – Melvin's Gabe Plotkin. He's the owner of Melvin. He was expanding his $44 million Miami home when all this went down. So he was in the process of he was going to tear down part of his home and build a tennis court. His home, he already, he owns two homes. This one home, just this one, costs 44 million dollars.
0: I've already got my underground garage. I've got my hot tub on the roof. I need yeah. a tennis court. He
1: picked a bad <laughs> time to expand. <laughs> um, GameStop founder Gary uh, kusin I guess that's how you pronounce his name. They interviewed him about it. Someone interviewed him about it. He said, I just grabbed some popcorn. So I can just imagine he's he's yeah. loving it. He's absolutely loving it.
0: Yes, this is literally the meme of Gamers Rise Up right here. I love it.
1: But the most disturbing aspect about this, beyond the fact that Robin Hood shut down trading, and it was TD Ameritrade and a few others all also shut down trading, is the fact that social media and Google and Apple all jumped on the side of the hedge fund managers. They all jumped on the side of Robinhood. So Robinhood stops trading. They immediately get negative reviews out the wazoo. Their rating goes down to one star immediately. Apple and Google. Google and Apple both delete a hundred thousand comments. They may delete a hundred thousand reviews to keep their rating at four and five stars. And th- another thing, Discord eliminated the um, the Wall Street Bets chat in their, on their platform because they claimed hate speech. Which it's very very convenient, you know. Just while while all this is going on, they just happen to decide that someone went over the line. This was the final straw. Right in the middle of this, they decide to delete the chat for Face- hate
0: speech. Right, uh, of Facebook the, the deleted pa- it. The pantheon of all the, the the groups of people throughout history who've been truly oppressed. You know, the Jewish people. You got the Irish, Wall Street hedge Hed- fund, hedge fund, fund managers. <laughs> managers. Yeah, too much
1: hate, too much hate speech at these Wall uh, Wall Street hedge fund managers. Facebook gets rid of the of the of the chat and this isn't the first time Facebook has done this there was a conservative group that created a uh, that created a group on Facebook to basically just give financial advice to help conservatives with financial advice and Facebook killed the group and it, it, it there becomes a pattern that develops then whenever you look at this you got social media companies you got Google you got big Tech all colluding with the hedge fund managers and a lot of these hedge fund managers um, Steve Cohen, who owns, uh, one of the hedge funds that bailed out Melvin, he owns the New York Mets. So a lot of these hedge fund managers, they own sports teams, there, there are corporations that depend on them for capital. So that's why whenever you see these corporations and these sports teams put out Black Lives Matter propaganda, it's all the same. They're all on the same, they're all on the same page, they all receive talking points from the same masters, And it's one – and you know, people attack the sports teams. They attack the corporations for their support for Black Lives Matter and other anti-American causes. The root of it is the hedge fund managers. Forget the sports teams. Forget the corporations. If you take out the hedge fund managers and you cripple them, you take their billions and you redistribute their billions to the people, whether it's through this or whether through government redistribution, you're not going to have all this leftist anti-American propaganda coming down the pike because it starts at the top and it filters down. The hedge fund managers – and when you think about it, if I owned a hedge fund and one of my competitors is getting crushed by these Redditors, I'm going to sit back. In fact, I'm probably going to encourage the Redditors because I want this hedge fund put out of business. That's capitalism. I'm not going to bail them out. Why are these hedge funds bailing each other out? And whenever you think about it, it's because they are a part – it's like they have their own little party going and the rest of us aren't invited to it.
0: It's just like with the Democrat and Republican parties prior to Trump. We were led to believe there's this false dichotomy of oh they're two completely different they're rivals one is different from the other no at the end of the day they're the same thing they are the it's like the financial uniparty of Wall Street
1: right right they're, they're the same it's the, it's, that's the best way to describe it the financial uniparty and you know they don't want they don't want their hedge fund competitors going down because it could be them next but beyond that they share the same ideology and it is the ideology that society should be governed by financial and political elites. We should have gatekeepers who are the investigative journalists, and then underneath them, you've got the peasants who work for wages, and you can't start a business if you don't adhere to the ideology. You can't – this is literal – this is the definition of fascism. When you've got corporate entities who create cartels and collude with one another to keep common people from rising above. And again, this isn't capitalism. This is why when people graduate college, they look at this, they've been they've been brainwashed to believe that capitalism is bad. They look at this system and they look at their student loan debt. And it's like you've mentioned before, it's a self defeat it's a self
0: It's a self fulfilling cycle. It's a self fulfilling
1: prophecy. Right. It's a self fulfilling prophecy when they see stuff like this and they're like, Well, yeah, screw capitalism. Because you know, I don't. If this is capitalism, capitalism got
0: me to where I am now. Right. And then, if,
1: if this is capitalism, where a few elite control things, they bail each other out whenever we finally start making gains, and then where we're trying to make gains, we get shut out. Our our Discord chats get shut down because of so-called hate speech. We get kicked off. Rob, you know, we can't trade on Robinhood. We can only sell to the billionaires. Then yeah, the people. I can understand why people would hate capitalism after seeing this. And what's very, very interesting, you'll, you're starting to see article after article after article say with the headline, Redditors are now jumping on silver. Redditors are now jumping on this. Redditors are now jumping on that. This well, is hey, coming we, out. Because
0: we skipped a very important part. So it was GameStop and a handful of other stocks including AMC, the movie theater company, um, Nokia and BlackBerry, basically nostalgic mm-hmm. tech company stocks, like not big tech. but And then before silver, so you said they jumped to silver. Prior to that, <laughs> prior to that, this is, the, this is the truly internet part of it. They went all in on Dogecoin. Yeah, Dogecoin. <laughs> this yeah. great. For those of you who don't know, the, the famous meme Doge, the uh, the the yellow uh, Shiba Inu, the Japanese dog mm-hmm. with an attitude and in, in its look, just this this look like it could kill you. It basically, I personally think Doge, of course, is the second greatest meme uh, of all time, only behind Pepe. But I love that someone created. They literally created this cryptocurrency as a joke. It is a joke cryptocurrency based on a meme. It's like Pepe coin. It's an actual joke. Not meant to be a quote unquote legitimate Bitcoin or cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, but it's actually taking off. I have friends who are investing in Dogecoin and just posting these images of the graphs just skyrocketing, just straight up. (laughs) And it's like to the moon. (laughs) I love it. I love everything about this story, but yes. So Dogecoin. So all the stocks, Dogecoin and now silver. So what's going on with silver, Jacob?
1: So there, so you're seeing what you're seeing article after article pop out. Of them, with this coming out of the Wall Street Journal and, and major, you know, major financial blogs. Well, I say blogs, but major financial news sources, so claiming that the redditors are jumping on something new, and it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. They're trying to diffuse the energy away from these nostalgic, like early two thousands, late nineties companies, so the people who are getting short squeezed they can finally get their money back. They, because I mean. Obviously, they don't want this to continue because you've got a lot of redditors that they're holding out. They're still holding on to AMC. They're still holding on to GameStop. They're not going to sell, and they, you know, this is bad news for people who have to get their who have to get their stocks back so they can return them. So you're seeing you're seeing a lot of these, and it's funny when you go to the comment section, people are like, "Yeah, nice try, Wall Street Journal. What well, nice try, Yahoo Finance," because you know it's pretty obvious. It just, if a, if any stock goes up slightly, then they automatically assume, oh, that's because the Redditors are jumping in on this stock. They're, you know, hoping that will leave these nostalgic companies and go jump on board with silver or some other cryptocurrency or whatever. But yeah, it's, just, it's very, very obvious that the, that big media, big tech are colluding with the, with these hedge funds because they're, at the end of the day, it's not even if they're, even if there is no financial tie between these articles of, you know, Yahoo Finance and Wall Street Journal they support the same st- the same system and even people on the right whenever instead of being happy about what's going on or even recognizing what's going on they're they're indifferent or they don't you know or they're even critical what was interesting is Thursday, I was expecting, you know, Breitbart, which is the populist, you know, it's supposed to be the populist right wing news source that everyone goes to for populist news. I was expecting you know how their headlines are, they'll take up an entire webpage. You get there's a big story, the the headline will literally cover the entire webpage. I was expecting something like this on Breitbart. So I go to Breitbart, they weren't even covering it. They didn't even have they didn't have a single story on it. Instead they're talking about Nancy Pelosi being mean to Republicans. And finally, the next day on Friday, they finally run the transcript of Tucker Carlson whenever he blasted the hedge fund managers. and they don't they release the transcript with no comment on it. So you know, I don't know what's going on there. I think somebody at Breitbart probably pitched the story and it's possible that one of the editors shot it down thinking that it wasn't really that important. But this is, you know, and even on Steve Bannon's show, so, Steve Bannon had Dan David on the show. Let's let's play that clip.
5: Okay, I got I got to go. To, we got Dan David. Dan David is known as the great, the smartest short when it comes to China. This guy's legendary about these phony Chinese companies and shorting them, making a lot of money for people that back him, but also exposing the corruption of American capital markets. I've, we're kind of jammed in here, Dan, and I apologize, but this thing is caught on, particularly in the populist side. Of these young fighters or these young young investors, I guess, against Wall Street's titans, just explain to us what's going on in this in this the the great short of GameStop.
2: Well, you're asking me about GameStop, but really the, the greater picture here is this is about our, our failed monetary policy here in the United States that has been abysmal for decades, and the chickens have come home to roost. Uh, I don't feel bad for the shorts at all. These are savvy investors that should know what they're doing. And if they're getting crushed, good, that happens. But what we're seeing here with GameStop, look, something going up 1,700% in a week that has no fundamental change in their business is really not a good thing. Uh, It's a bubble, it's indicative of a bubble. And the Reddit army for, you know, you, you can root for them as the underdog, that's great. But it really is kind of an army led through ignorance, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean that
0: factually. It's an army of ignorance, but I don't mean that pejoratively. Are you kidding me, dude? Like I'm pretty sure well, ignorance is a universal insult. Right.
1: This is this is like people who uh, look at the Trump voters and they're like, you know, the, these voters, I'm glad they're getting involved in politics, but they really are kind of ignorant. They don't know what they're supporting. They don't realize that Trump really doesn't care about them. But They're you know,
0: hillbillies with their guns and bibles. Yeah, it's, it's,
2: it's, it's very passive-aggressive.
0: Actually, If you're not looking
2: at fundamentals, then you're buying and gambling through ignorance. Okay, hang on.
5: Dan, I love you like a brother, but no offense. All of Wall Street's turned into a casino. You can't pick on the Reddit army of being speculative. When they've juiced this thing with Fed policy – Right. The whole reason that the whole reason you got this speculative bubble is so a Wall Street and the hedge funds have made out like bandits. But none of these companies, when you go back to Graham's fundamental analysis, the the great book on fundamental investing, that got thrown out years ago. This is it's Wall Street turned into a casino. So how do you how do you blame the poor guys at Reddit?
2: Because I know I know that the institutional investors will, in the end, fare better. It's a rigged game. And I feel bad for the Reddit investors, right? I mean, it's a good day today. It's a good day last week. Melvin Capital, uh,
5: Dan, in- uh, Dan, my brother, Melvin Capital just lost $3.5 billion. They had to get bailed out by, by, by Citadel. <laughs> Citadel.
1: But even if he doesn't have any personal vested interest, it's kind of the libertarian argument that any time we have a financial downturn, the libertarians' immediate knee-jerk reaction is to talk about how uh, how terrible our monetary policy is, how terrible the debt is, and all this stuff like that. And like he says, well, you asked me about GameStop, but I w- first want to talk about our monetary policy and how the Fed has been juicing this this monster for so many years, and this is why we're in this situation. Okay, good. From an academic standpoint, it's good to know about that stuff, but. The people who are alive today, we're not going to change the government overnight. We're not going to educate. How are you going to educate two hundred million people on this stuff? We have to live in the here and now, and in the here and now, we live in a world where hedge fund managers, short companies, make a quick buck off of off of doing nothing but speculative gambling on Wall Street. So look, I, we got student debt. We got student loans to pay off. Let's go ahead and join the game. We can't sit back and say, "Well, I'm not going to join the game because you know the, it's it's a rigged system and the Fed has done
5: this or that. We got a poor monetary policy." And by the way, that's if pension. Try- fu- that is pension fund money. Every guy out there working a lathe in some factory that your money's controlled by yeah. Melvin, you just got you got a three and a half billion dollar gap in your pension fund, correct, sir? But those people running that fund will be fine, and the Reddit individuals that end up losing in the end
2: will not be fine. They are my neighbors. They are my friends. They are my family. You know, I would like this to be a more educated place. Yeah. Nobody's putting money in so, yeah,
0: yeah, they're my they're I'll, your neighbors and friends that you just called ignorant. Well,
1: I'll, I'll bet I'll guarantee you none of these people that are engaged in this in the Reddit buy and live within 10 minutes of this guy, at least 10 miles. of This guy, <laughs> I mean, the, these, you know, yeah. The, OK, so you these people, they're your neighbors. So you live next door to people who make twenty thousand dollars a year. Come on. And whenever you're in fact, Bannon, I've never heard of this guy before. But Bannon introduced him as a guy who's basically a, a master at short selling so i'm guessing he's got about seven figures if not eight or eight or 10 you know in his in his uh his net worth But my larger point is the fact that, and this this was all over every major, you know, on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. You kept seeing these elites over and over and over again, basically telling the redditors, you know, it's for your own good. You know, you really need to stop doing this. This isn't as if they're children. You know, this is really for your own good. You really need to become more educated when it comes to stock trading. You don't need to lose this money. They they don't get it. The people who are losing money on Reddit do not care. They're willing to lose money. In fact, many of them are trying to lose money. That's not the point. They're trying to make the hedge fund billionaires go down. If they, like Bannon mentioned, $2.5 billion had been squeezed out of Melvin Capital in what, like 24 to 48 hours. Melvin, that's 30% of Melvin Capital's net worth. That's, you know, they don't, they're worth like 12 billion. They had to get bailed out. With two point five billion from Citron and um, Steve Cohen's joint, I can't remember what the name of it, but two other hedge Citadel. funds, um, Citadel, yeah, Citadel. So that's the that the whole point is, yeah, we're going to lose two hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars if we hold on to this stock. We might even lose a thousand, but at the end of the day, it doesn't care. They don't care. These these hedge fund managers were part of the, of the leviathan that tanked the economy in 2008 that caused so many millions of millennials to have a really screwed up 20s and 30s. You know you think about all of the you know the the kids that would have been created would have been born in the 20 teens if they hadn't tanked the economy but now millennials can't afford to get married they can't afford to have kids because they're working two three jobs to pay off the student loan debt to just claw their way back up and because their parents got laid off they lost their jobs etc et etc cetera, et cetera. so it's not yeah they' they know exactly what they're doing they don't need to be lectured to and this isn't in a many ways this is about revenge. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's fun to watch and it's, it's, it's very interesting to find out who falls where. Uh, you know, you got AOC tweeting out in support of him and then Ted Cruz jumps on the bandwagon, which, uh, by the way, I, I really wish he hadn't done because it really does show, uh, show weakness when he's, Basically saying, yeah, I agree with her. Uh, like, Letting
0: her lead the conversation. Yeah, you don't you don't need to yeah, do that. That's yeah.
1: really that's really because then she immediately shot back and like uh, my You, you know, tried to have me murder three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah so at that's, her that's hysterical
0: that, this is, child answer. This antics.
1: is what Ted Cruz does. Like he did this uh, you know, another on another bill. Like he said, oh well, AOC, if you'll introduce this bill in the House, I'll introduce it in the Senate. We can agree. It's kind of his you know way to try to bring left and right together. AOC is a is a sophomore congresswoman. She's irrelevant. The fact that Republicans treat her was as if she's the fault leader of the Democratic Party is disgusting. You got Ted Cruz who is a two-term senator from Texas. Uh, you know, and he's retweeting. First of all, Ted Cruz, I don't think he should be on Twitter at all, to, begin with, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, mean, I don't yeah, think any Republican should K- be on Twitter.
0: The last thing the Zodiac Killer should be doing is being on Twitter. Right. <laughs> and, the
1: la- and the second last thing he should be doing is retweeting a sophomore congresswoman who is like 15 years younger than him. So this is really a, a disgustingly weak moment on t- The re- but Republicans should be leading the charge against this, not retweeting AOC. If but- Trump
0: were still in the White House, you guarantee they would be. Or at least he would be directing them to – Oh, absolutely. if Trump was still on Twitter, he would be supporting everything that's happening right now.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Instead of – but yeah, this is – yeah, left and right are on the same page. But unfortunately, you've got people on the right here trying to virtue signal by showing the lefties, hey, look, I'm on your side. Instead of saying, hey, this this is the conservative position. You need to come over to our side. That's what he should have been doing.
0: But yeah, real quick, going back to the millennials thing and tying it back to something Steve Bannon said. I think one of the greatest political debates of our time and probably in all of history was the debate that Bannon had in November of 2018 with David Frum, a prominent never-Trumper, neocon Republican. He worked for Bush, uh, is currently a writer for The Atlantic. Um, and he said at, earlier in the debate, he said millennials that a huge part of this populist revolution is how bad millennials have it right now because he said millennials today are the 21st century equivalent of 18th century Russian serfs. They're obviously better clothed. They have better hygiene. They're not as living in total squalor in fear of diseases or anything or invading armies. But they own just as much property, which is not a lot. They have just as much wealth. And they are coming of age in a workforce where they will not be able to break in, whether it's, you know, they're wasting time with these useless social studies degrees that don't get them jobs. They're crushed with student loan debt, whatever. They are in a horrible financial shape by and large as a generation, a worse off generation than most past generations. And that is going to be the fuel. He said this back in 2018, in November 2018, that is going to be the fuel of the next generation of this populist uprising. And we are more than happy to cover it and watch it come to fruition and come into play now in the form of this GameStop rebellion and and this GameStop, AMC, Dogecoin, Silver Rebellion. Who knows what they're going to pick next? I cannot wait to see that. So until next time, guys, this has been episode number six of The Right Take, and we'll catch you next week.